Munson, podcast host for Parent Boss Leader PBL, and I am very excited today for our guest, Allison Netzer, Chief Marketing and Strategy Officer at Nimbus, also author of Think Like a Brand, Not Like a Bank. Allison, thank you for joining. So happy to have you. Yeah, well, it's it's great to be on, and I'm excited to have been introduced to your podcast, so, so excited to be a part of it. Thank you. So how about, I wanted to talk a little bit about your book today, but before we get into that, I wanted to see if you could share with our audience a little bit about yourself and your background. Sure, sure. Well, I mean, like, um, like you and like, I'm sure a lot of the folks listening, uh, I am and, and do a lot of things, right? Like all of us uh, nowadays. So a parent, first and foremost, to uh, two young boys, uh, Henry and Jackson. I like to use their name on podcasts because they think it's the radio. Um, <laughs> so, so it's very exciting to them. Um, so, so parent first and foremost, like you mentioned, um, uh, author uh, here recently. And then, you know, during the day, uh, marketing and strategy officer for a financial technology firm. So that's uh, that's what I do for a living, um, or for a wage, but I also love, you know, the outdoors, you and I've taught in a talk before the show recently moved back to North Carolina to be closer to family, closer to nature, uh, and just a slower pace. So I'm, I'm enjoying it, um, so far. Yeah, good for you. And I love how you give your son's credit too, on the podcast. My kids are into being celebrities as well. Yes. Yes. So every once in a while they get an invitation. <laughs> that's awesome. I think that's great. Yeah. So wanted to talk your, your background, what really impressed me when we had a conversation when we first met is you talked about being an uncorporate person. Oh, sure. Corporate environment. And I love that because it ties into your book too. Think like a brand, not like a bank. Right. And there's a couple of things that I really wanted to unpack with you. So when you say corporate environment first, what do you mean? And what are the pros and cons of a corporate setting? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it, it's not all bad. So I want to start off because, it, you know, it could probably alienate everyone that listens. It's like, well, I work for a corporation and, and not all companies are bad. I happen to work for a very good one. I know you do too. Good disclaimer. Um, yeah. Disclaimer. Yeah. <laughs> It's great. My boss is like, I, what? Um, I thought we hired you here. At yeah, yeah, I thought I hired you to be like corporate strategy. No, but if you look and, and words are important, right? And I, and I talk about that a lot in the, in the book, but corporate means to belong. Mm. You belong to a corporation mm. and the environment is, it's not just this room, right? It's the thoughts, it's the feelings, it's the motivations, it's everything but that key word is you belong to mm -hmm. something that's not yourself. Mm. And that's, that's problematic for me. Um, I haven't really been able to articulate it into the last few years, but I've always known I love what I do. I love what I'm able to do because of what I do, but I don't belong mm -hmm. to where I work. And I still think you can be very successful in some cases, even more so without mm -hmm. that. And so it's, it's kind of a point of view that's a little bit more popular and accepted now. It wasn't in 1996 <laughs> when right. I started my career. Um, so, right. you know, it, it, it looks a little bandwagony at the moment to be talking mm -hmm. this way, but it's, it's something, you know, last 25 years or so, 
um, that I've, uh, I've felt and I've, I've tried to be open so that other people can, um, you know, uh, hopefully feel comfortable as well. Yeah, you know, I think it's an incredible topic. I think the landscape that we're in right now in the corporate world is completely changing. There's yeah. so much about authenticity, being ourselves, being one whole person, the uncorporate person. I love how you say that. I think it's such an interesting topic. And you had mentioned before, it came up in our conversation saying that you don't need a classroom to be a teacher. I right. think that wisdom came from your dad, it right? Did. You want to share a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I can still I can still see my 17-year-old self walking down. So I didn't get a teaching a teaching scholarship that I had applied for. It had my heart set on it. I was one of these people where your whole life, you know, you're like, I want to be a teacher, you should be a teacher. You know, some people are like, you should be a doctor, not to me, but to other people. Um, and I always wanted to, I always saw myself and I didn't get this scholarship. Hmm. And it was devastating. I mean, even yeah. now, like I feel like she, like I was devastated. Yeah. And I remember my dad saying, you don't need a classroom to be a teacher. And what I feel like he meant that at that time was you can still go be a teacher. Wow. But over the years, as I've just kind of kept that in my mind, I realized that so much of what we do is, is a classroom and you don't, you don't need to have the certifications and the, this and the, that, I mean, I'm not a classically trained marketer. Um, I'm not a classically trained anything that I do, you know, uh, at, <laughs> at the moment. So you don't need to have those to, to be effective. And again, to get the environment that you need not the not the role not the title but the environment like the classroom or the corporate environment it's really about succeeding in any environment yeah and so yeah dedicated the book to my dad had that at the beginning um because i also think brand is in a lot of ways a classroom as well Wow. I think your dad sounds like a very wise person yes. and I love him willingness to give you that little nugget that helped catapult you in your career too. Yeah, it really and did. Really, yeah. And you're making waves for so many people across the nation, even in your book, so many people reading it. Oh, so your dad must be very proud as a, so. as a follow-up question. I wanted to say, or see what you mean when you say both leadership and brand our classrooms. What do you mean by that? Yeah, uh, I get that question a lot. I'm like, was this not a good point or was this an interesting <laughs> point? I can't, I can't tell. Um, but you know, a classroom again is an environment where information is exchanged. Good mm -hmm. classrooms, not the probably where you know when you mm -hmm. and I were in school where it was the, the you know the sermon. Mm -hmm. But but ideally, a classroom is an exchange of information. So you're 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 teaching and. Mm -hmm. studenting at the same time, learning at the same time. So same thing with leadership, right? You know, I mean, you can lead from the front and not look behind you and <laughs> realize there's nobody there, yeah. or you can bring people along. And it's the exact same thing with brand, right? You can yeah. come up with the most creative, coolest looking thing in your conference room mm -hmm. and your agency tells you it's awesome. And you just, you go out and you just lead from the front. And you don't bring people along, right? Yeah. And so 
you know, in classrooms, the best classrooms are set up to experiment, are set up to have a range of information, a range of media, and importantly, accommodations for different types of learning styles. Mm -hmm. So I think same thing as we think about modern leadership versus leadership of the past, where it's like, you as a leader need to be charismatic, always on this and this, and, and people will just follow you. Mm -hmm. Same with kind of old school views of classrooms, right? If you're authoritative and you're up at the podium, people will listen. Yeah. And they might have out of fear at that time, but that's not, that's not modern leadership. And it's certainly not modern brand. Wow. But really interesting points. So what originally inspired you and your co-author Liz High to write the book? Yeah. Well, <laughs> So Liz is a colleague. She's also a, a dear friend. And, um, you know, we've been talking about the topic of think like a brand, not a bank for a couple yeah. of years. Mm -hmm. And finally, we were just kind of looked at each other. And, you know, I mean, I'm not at the start of my career anymore. Uh, neither is Liz. <laughs> and we're just like, let's just let's just do this, because if we were to try to take this dialogue to every banker, one-to-one, -one, we mm -hmm. would be like 450, you know, it would never, it would never work. Yeah. And so, you know, we did it to kind of scale the information out because we hope it's helpful. Um, but also this was kind of reflective um, last fall. And I was like, you know, I, I wish I had a book like this when I started both mm -hmm. in marketing and then financial services, because there just wasn't information out there. Right. Yeah. Um, and there's a whole, we could do a whole nother episode about why there's not a lot of books for, for marketing and brand, uh, brand folks, but I just wanted that. I wanted to kind of leave that for folks because it's something I wish I would have had. I could have saved myself a lot of gray hair, uh, had I had a little, a little direction and some data. Um, yeah. and that's, that's really what we tried to do. I love that. You kind of met a need that was out there because you had it yourself. I did. Yes. Yeah. Such a great reason. And I even think I even have a colleague when I told her I was meeting with you today, she was so excited. You and I chatted briefly about it. Yeah. I said, oh, she read your book and mm. it's just making waves and impacting people. Part of what inspired my colleague, she had said that, um, the customer's the mission, the mission's the customer for a lot of big companies. And it's really key to think that way in the modern world. I mean, even our industry, we're in staffing, we're driven by our customers too. Right. But I wanted to also talk about some specific quotes, even that I read from your book and okay. maybe we can go through that and we can talk sure. about it since I have the author here. Oh, okay. Well, I don't know what quotes you're going to come up with. So let's, uh -huh. let's see if I can recall. Yes. And I'll try to read clearly. I'm getting starstruck. Oh, okay. <laughs> so one thing you said, there is only so much that can be achieved by looking at what has already happened. Real opportunity comes from looking ahead. Mm -hmm. So you, what does that look like in action? How do managers in today's world look ahead and not neglect the messages of the past? Yeah, it's a balance, right? I mean, it's 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 tempting, especially in marketing and brand work to, you know, blank sheet of paper, you know, get the consultants in, do something big and new, right? That's sort of the the drug that we're we're on. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, when you do that, three things happen. One is very hard again to bring that class with you, right? Because if you're out here in La La Land, 
and they're out here just doing their day job, that's a huge gap mm-hmm. to cover, right? So just on some random Wednesday, you're just going to be like changing everything. So yeah. that, so that's when you're focused a little bit too far ahead, right? Very difficult. difficult. So the second thing when you don't have yeah. that balance is you actually start losing some internal self-confidence and commitment in what it is you do. Because if you're like, you know what, we've been doing this for 10 years, yeah. sucks. It, it just, you know, it just starts to become part of how you are and how you show up. And that just has a really, I mean, besides on yourself, it just has a negative effect on those yeah. around you. Clearly something good happened in those past 10 years or you, or you would yeah. not still exist, right? So there, there's gotta be something there to work with. And the third thing is just, it's, it's physics. Mm-hmm. If you don't take some things from the past, I think about it as more take momentum, not take memories, but take the momentum and bring it forward. You're going to get to wherever it is you're planning on going a lot faster yeah. than if you start from scratch. Right. Mm-hmm. And so there is absolutely a place for history. I think in any, in any industry, uh, banking is one of them. It's so tempting to just, you know, throw out the 125 year history, yeah. name yourself something weird and try to appeal to millennials. Like there's just, that's such a huge, huge chasm to, to create. Um, so I think you've got to look at both. You have to really kind of keep that balance. Yeah. Well said. It sounds like there's extreme worldviews, like not looking at the past, throwing it out or living in the past, feeling like things didn't work where the truth is healthy somewhere in the middle, leveraging the past moving forward. So I think that's really a good point that you bring up. Another quote you said was, remember that your windshield is bigger than your rear view for a reason. I love this imagery, but I want to know why you think in business and management, we have such a hard time remembering this. We do. Well, the the quote is not mine. It's actually very difficult to find the origin of it. Some would even argue it has biblical origins, but Google it. Someone has said it first, but I think it still holds. And you're right. It is a powerful image, right? Yeah. Of the expansive windshield on a road trip. And then, you know, you tend to look in your rear view for the, the cops or, you know, back when you used to caravan. And it's, it's hard to keep, again, hard to keep that, that balance because we tend to think of all the opportunity and progress as being in front of us. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, again, if you kind of think back to a car, it's right the destination where you want to go is absolutely in front of you, Mm -hmm. but you get there in the car. You don't get there with your, with your eyes. Right. And so you have to also have the mechanics, the basics, you know, all of those pieces to, to get to where you're going. So I think as professionals, it's hard because we've placed this burden of originality on ourselves, like everything we post has to be clever. Everything we come up with has to be new. And, and it's just, it's this pressure that we put on ourselves. And by doing that, it really impacts the way that we see the world. It's the reason why my eight-year-old is bored at nine fifteen in the morning, yeah. right? Because there's nothing else he can see 
right? Yeah. Because he's like, what, what's next? What's next? What's next? So uh, long way of saying we can find that balance, not in like a woo-woo kind of way, but we can find that balance if we remember that the reason why some of these challenges happen is because we're putting a lot of pressure on ourselves mm-hmm. to be new, to be original, to stand out. And sometimes it's good enough just to do a good job. <laughs> That's you know? so wonderful to hear. I think the modern world, it's so the pressure, the anxiety, mm-hmm. the performance orientation, it's almost like a hamster wheel of yeah. gotta be the best, gotta think of new creative content. And yeah. you even mentioning being a mom, similar yeah. here. I have my my son just turned six today. So a six and a oh, seven-year-old cool. yeah. bored. Yes, I will give them till eight or nine as well. Yeah. So much media, like even thinking when we were kids, we got to flip through cartoons. Nowadays, they have all media at their fingertips. Mm-hmm. So it's such a different world. I wanted to jump into a slide that you have in your book. It says the value of emotional connection for brands. And I wanted to find out from you in your words, does the uncorporate individual need an emotional connection to their company's brand? Why? Oh, that is a good question. Uh, Being uncorporate, again, is just about who you feel you belong to. So we are not anti and we're not necessarily, we can absolutely get emotionally connected and we should be emotionally connected to brands. One, because of the data you pointed out, right? So people who are emotionally connected to the brands that they either buy from or work for are 35% more loyal. That's in financial services. Mm -hmm. Outside of financial services, all companies, it's 55%. Wow. So I mean, you work in recruiting. If you could go to someone and say, listen, I have a way that you can increase your retention, your loyalty by 55%. They would absolutely want to hear from you, right? The way to do that is to create an emotional connection with the brand to be true and consistent to your mission, your reason for being. And what's really cool about when you get uncorporate people emotionally connected to the company, it has a huge impact because it's like, well, if Allison, who is clearly uncorporate, can get fired up about whatever. Yeah. And there's definitely something here, right? Yeah. So it, it has a way of bringing the folks that are neutral really into it. Right. And if it's someone, if you know, someone who's not usually fired up about things and all of a sudden they're like, yeah, this is great. You're gonna be like, yeah. whoa, whoa. Okay. Great. Yeah. It's authentic. So it's, <sighs> it's authentic. Um, yeah. And it's also a way to, again, we talk a lot in the book about binary thinking. If you've got the corporate person and the uncorporate person over here on the same page, that there's so much space between those posts for people to, to also be able to participate. So yeah. incredibly important. And it's it's about consistency yeah. um, more than it is about the, the coolness factor or the, the visual appeal of your brand. I think that's so true. And even thinking, looking at my own career and looking at different companies I've worked for in the past, I remember even being in my young 20s, certain positions I held with companies, I wasn't super connected 
to the brand. And I often felt like, what does my job even matter? Whereas later coming to ATR, I feel so connected Mm -hmm. to our story. It was founded. Our original founder was called by recruiters and they would send him on jobs that had nothing to do with what he did. And I always think that's so funny because it annoyed him enough that he started his own company and he wanted to have expert recruiters. And then he founded the company with his family. And to me, being emotionally connected to a family run business Mm -hmm. is huge. And I've never had to pretend that I'm excited about my company because I genuinely am. So I really liked this portion as well, because it kind of puts a name to what it is. Right, right. So I wanted to move on to language you said is a big factor too, right? I think you have an example in your book I think we could come up with a lot of different helpful tables, but why is language so important? How does it help us build trust with the people that we work with? Yeah, it's a, well, it's a huge, huge builder of trust with the people you work with, uh, your colleagues, as well as your customers. So yeah, in the book, we had a chart of all the bank language that mm-hmm. bankers use and then what it means in real life. And mm-hmm. This is going to be a little controversial, but some of that's just laziness, right? Lean. Some that's of this right. just laziness because it's like, look, my native language as a marketer is to talk about MQLs and this and this and this. So I'm not going to take the time to translate for you, right? And so some of it is just laziness. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not helpful for building trust. Mm-hmm. Um, language is important because it's probably the only free vehicle you have to meet someone where they are, to understand where they can go and to be accountable to them. Yeah. And so, and it's free. Yeah. So it's impactful and it's free and it builds trust because, you know, and I remember a million years ago at Dow, I was 21, had the headphones on, selling computers, you know, it was amazing. Yeah. People would call in and they would call the products by a slightly different pronunciation than, than what we learned. And it's like, do you, do you correct them because you're, you know, had all this training and you're so qualified or you just, yeah, it's close was enough, it? just go with that. And that was my first, again, that was many years ago, my first sort of tip or introduction that Language is a way to build comfort. It's a, ba- it's a way to build trust, not just by using similar language, but just the spirit behind it. Like, I just, I want to connect with you. So if you need to call it this, that is fine with me, right? Because it's about that exchange of information. Mm-hmm. Um, so language is incredibly important and it's something that just, it gets skipped over. People go yeah. to the visuals or the technology or the social, which channel should it be on? but the language is still so, so critical. Yeah, it's true. It's kind of even interesting. I have the slides, page 108 in your book in front of me, banking language. So treasury management, customer language, managing cash flow. Right. Like it's so true. Like having the EQ to know that as well and who you're speaking to. So that's a good point. Last question, Allison. Okay. So let's say someone listening is really intrigued by this conversation and wants to be more uncorporate in a corporate world. What would your biggest piece of advice be to that person or 
giving them a clear takeaway on how to achieve that. Hmm. Sure, these are tough. Um, I, th- I think what I did, I'll just share, and, and this is not meant to be advice, it's just sharing what I did is, I, from time to time, will write down who and what do I belong to? Hmm. And I know that sounds a little like, oh God, she's going to tell me to journal and do gratitude or whatever. I'm not telling you to do that. Mm-hmm. It's just a gut check of who and what do I belong to? Not listen to. I listen to my boss. I, I listen to our board, but who and what do I belong to? And if the answer makes you uncomfortable, then let's just say I'm like, I belong to my bank account. That is what I currently belong to. I belong to my bank account. Okay, wow. why? And then, you know, because I'm, I'm heavily in debt. Why am I heavily in debt? Because I've been shopping a lot and I've been buying a lot of things. Why is that? Because I feel an emptiness. You know, anyway, you can get super deep, super fast. So you want to kind of do this by yourself. Yeah. But the, the point of that, that exercise is one, it's not a permanent state belonging mm-hmm. to your bank account. In that example is a temporary state and it can easily be changed. And then there's the, the other reason why you do that exercise is it allows you to kind of come to the very end. Cause everyone I've gotten to do this, everyone at the end, when you ask yourself, how would I want this answer to be different? Everyone says, I want to belong to myself. Wow. You don't say it at the beginning because then you sound like selfish, like I want to belong to myself. Well, what about your kids? What about your partner? But when you go through that exercise at the end, it's like, what I really want is to belong to myself. Mm -hmm. And then you are an uncorporate person. You have arrived. Because you don't belong to a corporation. You belong to yourself. Yeah. Such, you have such a way of explaining it too. (laughs) I think what's so- I've done it a lot. You have. And what's so cool about your book is, you know, it's think like a brand, not like a bank. It sounds like a very corporate type book. Mm -hmm. Like you're thinking of your career, but it gets so deep. Like you Mm -hmm. really do a lot of self-reflection and helping people. And there's a lot of growth opportunity as well. I highly recommend that folks read it. So thank you so much for joining today. You are a powerhouse. Yes. (laughs) And a great mom. I know such a great example for your sons as well. So thank you for joining. It's an honor to know you. And folks, I will post all of your links and information when we go live on the podcast as well. So people could see where to purchase your book. And you're just a great individual to connect with, a wealth of knowledge. Thank you. Thanks, Allison.